Broadcasting live from the KSHP studios in the heart of Las Vegas, Nevada. It's time to get on the right side of sports betting. It's time for the Odds Couple. Right, because we're trying to take over the world. I think I've mentioned that to you before. All Scott, all the not time. It's going to be K-S-C-O-T-T. There you go. And <laughs> here's how good I am. I didn't turn on my own microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it again. Start from Let's the beginning. Start. Dave, Jacob, you said you wanted to start a minute late. Can we just do it again? <laughs> I started a minute early. Who's in charge of this place? Apparently I am. Oh, my God. But good morning. Let's start over again. And welcome to the Odds Couple. No Scott Pritchard today, although he will be with us on the phone line. Scott Whitney has been taken out of the mothballs. I have been. I think what happened was I I did the show on Monday, and Scott was so embarrassed by it, he simply decided to leave the state. Yeah. Which is smart. He's a much smarter guy than I thought he was. And he's getting a police escort (laughs) as well. Or maybe it's not really an escort. Well, he's getting a police escort for other reasons. (laughs) It's an escort if they're in front of you, but not if they're behind you. Yeah, if they're behind you with lights on, it's a problem. It's a chase. (laughs) It's a chase. (laughs) It's OJ. (laughs) Actually, the white Bronco story, that was just – but the anniversary just came by a couple. It was. Of days I ago. was. I was in Southern California when that really? happened. It was crazy. I was working at. I was in sales and marketing at some company, and we all stopped selling and marketing. We just watched it on these little TVs in the office. It was amazing. I remember. I, I was in Chicago. This was what 1994, right? Is when it happened. Uh, and yeah. it was uh, the World Cup was in the in the United States. Yeah. So I was right. with my brothers and my dad waiting to go to a World Cup soccer game at Soldier Field in Chicago right. when this thing all happened, was breaking out. It was crazy. And we were watching going, this is just amazing. And he was, he was just out of, a, out of a jail for a little while to say he was, he was wrong, then he wanted back out, and he gained 150 pounds. Yeah, he's in jail now in Nevada. <laughs> right. It's amazing how this all ties into Nevada. I thought exactly. the interesting thing about the chase was that they let him go through the drive-thru at McDonald's twice. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hungry work being a, a, a Guys, I'm going to pull over and get a soda. <laughs> right. You guys need anything? <laughs> I need Burger? Some, I need some McNuggets. <laughs> Burger? <laughs> anyway, a big day yesterday. Game 7 of the NBA Finals saw the Miami Heat beat the San Antonio Spurs 95-88. to And Scott will be calling in in just a minute. We'll talk about the game. Also an amazing comeback yesterday in baseball. And I know you, I gave you a homework assignment you yesterday. You had to watch the game. I did. I started at the halftime. And uh, I have a piece of paper of a list of questions that I have, like, what's that round ball supposed to do? <laughs> Why are they throwing it in that round hoop thing? No. Um, I actually do have some questions about that. We could probably get to now, or we can wait until Scott's well, on call here. call here in just a second. Um, but it was a uh, – do all the, the NBA games really wait until the last five minutes to be exciting? Is that, is that the rule? Is that how That's, it works yeah. there? Yes. Why? It's just the way it is in the NBA. The, uh, Does that the work home, in baseball? <laughs> the home team is never out of, the ga- out of a game, really, in the NBA. For whatever reason, the game starts with about five to ten minutes left to go in the game. And uh, what were they shouting? I, I heard defense, but what were they saying when Miami had the ball? I, I think they were saying, let me in. Let me back in. I left the game too early. <laughs> that was from the sixth game, right? <laughs> from game six, exactly. That was a, Please let me back in. I do have to have ask one question. You guys uh, complain a lot about officiating in NBA games. So I watched it, and I saw, I think, one play where I thought that might not have been the right call. But I don't really know, to be honest with you. But um, first of all, did you think there were any egregious calls or lack of calls in that game? No, I didn't think – last night I didn't think it was too bad because I thought a lot of the uh, Miami baskets were wide open, jump shots, not going to the basket kind of things. And 
The, the curious thing, I want to get Scott's opinion on this when he calls in, it was, again, the coaching decisions by Greg Popovich were questionable last night when he had his point guard on the bench uh, in crunch time, even though Tony Parker wasn't playing very well. But he was on the bench. I have that as my – one of yeah. my questions is he was – in the last 20 seconds of the game, he was sitting down. Why would that well, be? Well, he didn't play very well. That was part of it. Uh -huh. and, and I posted last night as well, if you had told me before the game that uh, Ray Allen, Chris Bosh, and uh, what Mike Miller – Two of those guys were starters last night, right. and Ray Allen hit the big shot in game six. That those guys would not score a point last night, I would have lost. I've been homeless this morning. Right. I would have, I would <laughs> have bet my house that the San Antonio Spurs would have won the game. <laughs> and uh, joining us now on the phone line is the host of the show, Mr. Scott Pritchard. Good morning, so. Scott. How are you? Happy Friday, gentlemen. How are yeah, you? Scotty. We just, just started talking about the game yesterday, and uh, Scott had asked about any egregious uh, calls from the officials last night, and I thought the, the worst call of the night was by Greg Popovich keeping his starting point guard on the bench in crunch time, even though he wasn't very good shooting the ball in either Game 6 or Game 7. Another very curious decision by Pop. I've never questioned Pop, but I have to say in Game 6 and 7, I, I'm like you. I don't understand. How would you have the best point guard in basketball, on the bench, come crunch time. And, of course, he got away with it earlier by having Tim Duncan on the bench late in the game, with the exception of uh, the last game or two. But it really, really surprised me. It really I felt once uh, Chalmers missed bricks, not one but two free throws. It was a two-point game inside of a minute to go. Chalmers choked for the Heat. I'm, ta I'm talking about an 88% free throw shooter during the playoffs. He bricked both. And then mm. Duncan... I was surprised that he missed that duck. I mean, he makes that 11 times out of 10. 11 out of 10. That's hard to do. He's good. That's very good. He's but you're right. He missed that, as, and then he as missed. As good to a lock as you can get. And then he missed the putback as well. But, the, you know, Parker was 3 of 12 last night. Danny Green was 1 of 12. So you've got two starters that were a combined 4 of 24 last night. And, and you have on the other side, you always look at game 7 and an and unlikely hero, Shane Battier on the other side, 18 points. He completely outscored the uh, Spurs bench and Danny Green combined. Now, you're absolutely right. Battier was a star among stars. Ray Allen played himself right out of the lineup with uh, countless turnovers in the first half. But Ray Allen, Allen was the man. He's the reason they actually got there after tying the game in regulation at the end of regulation in game six. But, yeah, Danny Green the last two games did nothing for the San Antonio Spurs. Were either of you guys surprised it was so close at the half? Well, I was, you know, I, I thought the game was going to was going to go one of two ways. It was either going to be a tight nail biter all the way and which it was, or it was going to be a blowout for Miami. I didn't I really didn't think the Spurs were going to were going to win the game myself. So I wasn't necessarily surprised the game was close at halftime or close late. Uh, going into it. Ironically, though, Scott, when you look at the opening number and where the game closed, the Heat covered the spread, which yeah. they tend to do when they win, is cover that number well, that's big true, time. And it's, like, it's very interesting to me. The odds makers were within five, six points of the total. They were within a half point, point, point and a half of the side. But, boy, I feel bad for the spur backers because, I mean, come on, man, you're liking life. You're getting six. It's a photo. It's a two-point game, and Duncan has a two-point duck. I mean, the Spurs may not win, but they're certainly not going to have any trouble covering the six-point number. But the Heat ended up winning and covering by a point, winning ultimately by seven. 
So if you guys, if either one of you were the coaches of either one of those teams come the halftime, what would you have told your team to do differently to try to separate yourselves from the other team? I mean, it was so close. What adjustments did they make that you saw? I mean, I wouldn't have noticed any adjustments, but did you guys see any adjustments? What would you have told your team to do differently? I'm waiting for Scott to answer that question. <laughs> Are you asking me? I yeah, I'm asking both of you. I mean, the Spurs were up two at halftime, 46-44. It was a nail-biter. I don't know if you make any big adjustments at halftime. I mean, you're basically talking about a nine-month season, ultimately coming down to just one half of basketball. Right. I would basically let the stars shine, let the stars do what they do. And a couple of adjustments I felt like, for the Miami Heat, they just made a point not to have Ray Allen in the game very much. You want to accent the positive. Chris Anderson was a spark plug off the bench, doing a good job. He saw extended minutes in the second half. And Battier, you go with the horse that brought you. And the fact is, Battier was the man in the first half, and that's why you saw him with extended minutes in the second half as well. But as far as adjustments, I mean, I'm not a coach. I'm a handicapper, and those two coaches pop. And the Miami Heat coach, they are two of the best, no doubt about it. Yeah, Eric Sprolstra uh, does deserve a lot of credit because he came into a situation two years ago, really, as uh, you know, the slick back youngster that probably had to earn respect from the guys like LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade and, and those guys that he had the chops, really, to be able to be an NBA coach. But he's got back-to-back titles, which we know isn't easy to do. And we didn't talk about this yet, but LeBron was pretty darn good last night, Scott, as well. That's the thing with LeBron. I was dogging him early. It's like, come on, LeBron James, you're a man. Go to the basket. But I was so impressed. I was so impressed with what LeBron did in the second half, crunch time. No, he didn't go to the basket. But that mid-range jumper, he's improved tremendously. He's unguardable. He is unguardable. I mean, how do you defend this guy? He can pass. He can rebound. He can shoot. He can score. But he knocks down the three. Five, six three-pointers last night in the 15-foot shot. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, Michael Jordan, I loved him because he would always go to the basket at crunch time, but you cannot argue with success. I was very impressed. I mean, D-Wade and LeBron James stepped up. Bosch, Ray Allen, they did not. Danny Green for San Antonio did not. But again, that's, that's the nature of the beast. It's tough game in and game out for everyone to be on their A-game. Well, so, go, go ahead. I was going to say, Game 7 does that. It exposes people and also gives others a chance to shine. And, Scott, you'll be very happy to know that in the studio, Jacob <laughs> Cannon has just told Scott Whitney to sit up straight. He's slouching. I can see now, Scott, why you do what you do. We call you the it's turtle the back there because <laughs> you get smaller and smaller. during the... It's the chair, man. Well, it's, it's, you know what? It's, just, it's just kind of real comfortable to lean forward. See, I was leaning forward like this so I could feel like I was really listening intently to Brett. Engaged I was engaged. Like, wow, this guy's really smart. He looks like Barney, but I, th- <laughs> I think he'll be he's a really helpful guy. I thought it was purple shirt day at the ballpark. <laughs> and, and, I, and I get a tap-tap on the window, and I'm looking around, and Jacob's like, sit up! <laughs> okay. All right, so let me ask you boys this. So do you guys agree that today LeBron James is the best basketball player in the world? I do, absolutely. And you, Brett? I don't disagree. It would be hard to put somebody ahead of him. Back-to-back championships is impressive, but the way he's improved his game, he's still coming into his prime. He's got, what, another seven, eight years of at a very high level to play with. 
Um, and you saw his game. He can get up and down the floor. He can defend. He can rebound. He can shoot. He made, uh, what, five three-pointers last night, Scott? It was uh, 12 baskets overall, perfect, 8 of 8 from the free-throw line. Um, he he was dominant last night, but he needed to be. Here's why I asked this. Well. So, like I said, I don't watch basketball a lot, but I have seen, like I used to watch basketball occasionally when Michael uh, Jordan was playing. Who was that guy? Yeah, okay, well, this yeah. is my point. Yeah. So, when I watched Michael Jordan, I don't know much about basketball, but when I just watched him, I could see why he would be considered the best player to play at the time. Right. When I watch LeBron James, I don't really see that he's the best player. It's not real clear to me. Like, for example, he did a lot of jump shots from 15 feet out or whatever it is. I would expect any basketball player could probably pull that off. I heard he got a lot of positive feedback because he learned how to do that just last year. Right. How does that make him the best player in the world? That's a good point. And a lot of shots last night, he was wide open, too, Scott. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, which is the interesting thing is going, really? Why would you leave the best yeah. player in the world uh, un, yeah. unattended to? That doesn't make well, any I think sense. You have to, I think LeBron is a very smart basketball player, and he's going to take what the defense gives him. So you can't, like they say, he's basically unguardable because usually most offensive-minded players have a weakness. Maybe they're not able to shoot the three. Maybe they don't drive. Maybe they don't have the mid-range jumper. Maybe they can't make free throws. But LeBron does all of those things. And I see a difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. What we're talking about, that was two decades ago. The game has changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't really compare the two. I'm constantly doing that. I'm a big Michael Jordan guy. I think Michael Jordan was the best player in the history of the game. That's my opinion. LeBron James happens to be the best basketball player today. And what makes LeBron so dangerous is the fact that, again, he can beat you so many different ways. He can dominate a game just by getting other people involved. The reason Battier was open was because LeBron was driving and dishing. Right. So do, you, so do you think, I know this is impossible to really know, but do you say, I mean, the game has changed so much, you said, since Michael Jordan played. Does his skill set 20 years ago, would, that have, would he have been competitive now? He would have scored more. He would have. The game has changed oh, because you weren't, yeah, a, you right. weren't allowed to hand check. Back there, today, which I saw people today doing, by the way. Today you can't touch a guy; it's a foul. Back then, you could mug somebody, and, and <laughs> it, the old rule was no autopsy, no foul, and that's it was more playground basketball. So Jordan would have been more dominant today because he would really have been unstoppable. To me, when I look at when you say the best basketball player in the world, it, it encompasses more than just being a scorer. Yeah, I mean the best scorers in the game were guys named George Gervin and Pete Pistol Pete Maravich. And right, those guys were scorers. They couldn't do anything else. But if they had the ball in their hand, they would score. And it might be the whole game because, like, I right. remember watching Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play. Right. You know, and when he was playing, and he was on, I mean, people just couldn't get around him. Right. He just scored. He did his little do the bob, and he blocked stuff, and it was really impressive right. to watch. But and he couldn't I, get up and down the floor because, as was, they said in the movie Airplane, <laughs> you chased Lanier and Walton down the floor for 48 <laughs> minutes. Right, Scott? <laughs> right. But you don't see – I mean, I don't see – but actually the question is to you guys who are real sporty guys. When you watch LeBron James, do you look at him and go, good God, this guy is amazing. Whereas when I watch him, I'm like – yeah, he's doing 15-foot jumpers un, you know, unblocked. Yeah, you're supposed to make those shots. You're a professional basketball player. You know, so what am I missing? I, I don't, you're not missing anything. I agree with you. Ah. I, don't, I say the same thing. Well, that's not what I expected here. No, I just, now, Michael Jordan would make you, acrobatic shots, well, I, and you go, wow. I see it yeah. a little bit differently because the best jump shooter on the planet, I mean, your point's well taken, Scott, but, I mean, it is not easy to make 15-foot jumpers when you can go to the basket and slam dunk the ball. Now, there's a defender or five between you and the basket. Crunch time, 
high percentage plays dictate that you go to the basket. LeBron, the shots he was making, yeah, they're 15 footers, but I'm telling you, those are money shots. And the best jump shooter on the planet is still only going to hit 40, 45% of those shots. LeBron was knocking them down at about 80% last night, so he really stepped up. And it is not easy to do, especially if you played 40 plus minutes in a 48. Highly contested game. Yeah, and you're not and you're not making those jump shots in in January in Milwaukee. It's Game Seven of the NBA Finals, when the pressure is is certainly mounted. Yeah, yeah, taking nothing away from him, he was terrific last night. And it is, I agree, it's hard to talk about Oscar Robertson, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Kevin Durant, who might have a great long career as well, of saying who's the best of all those guys, and every era has their guys because the game has changed. And the, I guess the measurement has to change as well. Well, though. I think what if makes... you look at you know, look if you go back fifty years, right. number one, the, the teams were better. Well, why were the teams better? There wasn't as many teams, ah. and now there's more teams, and ah. the league is ah. watered down. Ah. Yeah. The athletes are probably better, but the number seven, fifth player, the fifth starter on today's team versus the fifth starter on a team. 30 years ago is probably not as good as that guy 30 years ago because the quality of the teams were better. I see. Because the leagues have expanded, is my opinion. anyway. Right. So let me ask you this about when it comes to just nerves. So seventh game, this is win or lose. Did you watch? Did you both watch the very beginning of the game? I did not see the beginning of the game. Scott? What was the question? Have, did you watch the very beginning of the game last night? Yes. So do you guys, can you recognize somebody who's nervous? Can you see that kind of play in that kind of game at that level? Well, it's not like they're shaking like a leaf. Yeah, on a tree. right. But that's what I know. I it's don't... the deer in the headlights look. Did you see that? I think Danny Green had that last night. Really? A bit. Yeah. I mean, he's one for twelve, and he was just petrified. It looked like to but me. But did he look like what the hell am I doing? He out just here? knew that it was not his. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what? Am, where am I? And for for a I young really player, think it had more to do with the fact that Miami made a conscious effort as a team to contest and deny him the ball and to contest all shots. Danny Green, I mean, got second year in the league, but I'm telling you, the guy's played that he's played almost 200 games, so I don't think there's a deer in the headlights example there at all. I think, you know, if you're open from the three-point line, he's a 45% three-point shooter, and that's about what he's going to shoot. But there's a big difference if they're contested or if they're denying, and you can't get into a rhythm if you do not see the ball on a regular basis. Yeah. So I give the credit to the Miami Heat defense more than I do Danny Green or anyone else being nervous. These guys are professionals, and this is the big stage. There's no time to think about or to even be nervous. You'll see some players react negatively to the harsh crowd or the road conditions, and it's really documented in their shooting percentages. But, I again, in this case, personally, based on what I saw, both teams were a little bit sluggish to start the game. There were like 28 points scored in the first quarter late with about two minutes to go, and it was bad, bad shooting and number of turnovers. I don't think that lends itself to nerves as much as I do just really locked and loaded defensively. Well, then does that mean that you, either one of you have never seen, let's say in the playoffs, a team lose choke because they just weren't mentally capable of handling it? Well, that's, we saw it last night, Scott, with Chalmers. 88% free throw shooter? Are you kidding me? The game's on the line. You're at home. An opportunity to close the door and win the championship, and he missed not one but two free throws? 
inside of a minute. So that was a big choke job by Chalmers. Well, we had the same thing in game six. Kawhi Leonard missed a free throw. Manu Ginobili missed a free throw. Tony Parker missed a free throw. Any one of those three free throws in the Spurs are the champions. If they make any one of those three, they win the championship. Any one of those three missed free throws in the Spurs won the title. And had they gotten one of the two last rebounds in game six. So, I mean, there's a fine, fine line. I give the Spurs a ton of credit. I respect the Heat. I mean, cream rises to the top, talent wins. It was an intense, so many blowout wins for both teams. But game six and seven, I can't recall two better games. Yeah, I tough, really can't. A, a very tough bad beat, though, for as you mentioned, for Spurs betters. The game did stay under the total, thankfully, from the standpoint of the first quarter and the fourth quarter were lower scoring uh, quarters where defense and, and poor shooting was really the – the foundation of the reason why it stayed under in that regard. Scott, we should we should mention Scott Pritchard with us on the phone line today. He is driving uh, over to California to go see the Angels and just, just shift gears a little bit, you and your, your beautiful young daughter, taking some R&R. And uh, quite a – oh, there, look at that. <laughs> he got a bell. Day one, he got the bell perfectly look right. At that. Isn't that amazing, Scott? The uh, <laughs> you're, you're on your way to go see the Angels and the Mariners, which was quite a game last night in Southern California. I'm excited – Getting away from the desert heat, love Vegas. I love he's going to say us. Been there for the past 19, 20 years. But father daughter weekends, R and R, Cali, Newport Beach, Laguna Beach, Huntington Beach, and Angels baseball. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, exciting game last night. The Angels, a crazy game to handicap baseball. I mean, I'm 21 and 11 in my last 32 games counting basketball and baseball. But what's interesting is. Two nights ago, when the Angels played, there were a total of one one, uh, one run scored right. in the entire game. Last night, 19 runs scored. Jeez. Angels down 8-1, came back to win 10-9. They're just hitting the cover off the ball, which is good to see. Tonight, Jared Weaver, interleague game, hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates, I would expect. I believe he's 1-3. He's much better than his record would indicate. They're about a buck 55, buck 60 favorite. We'll see how it plays out, but I'm excited about seeing the Angels play the weekend series against Pittsburgh. I'm a B-Weaver. You get to go see Jared <laughs> Weaver today. You'd be excited about that. You know, you, I'm a B-Weaver. Right. The interesting thing about the game yesterday was it was Felix Hernandez, the you know King Felix, who had the 8-1 to lead last night and blew it for the Mariners. Well, that's crazy. I mean, you would think a one-run lead, a two-run lead, and the game's over because he is the real deal. But going on the road, and again, that lineup for the Angels, one through nine, I mean, I came here three weeks ago when they were swept by the Houston Astros. <laughs> four consecutive games. That was then. This is now. I expect a good weekend series for the Angels. Well, they're playing the Pirates, and we talked about that. The Pirates yesterday, for example, has got a team with what? About the third or fourth best record in baseball. Still getting no respect from the odds makers at the betting window. In fact, in their game yesterday against the Cincinnati Reds, the Pirates were now 43-30 and 30 on the season. They would be in first place in the American League West, the American League Central. They'd be a half game back in the American League East. They'd be tied for the lead in the National League East, and they would be in first place in the National League West. They were a $1.80 underdog yesterday, and they here they are again in Anaheim against a struggling Jared Weaver a little bit, and they're big underdogs again. When are the Pirates, or will they, ever get any respect from the makers? I have to tell you, I'm starting to... Uh, timing is so important, and knowing when to get on, when to get off. I'm not convinced. I keep saying this every week, and every week the Pirates keep cashing tickets. I mean, I realize it's a feel-good story. 
they've overachieved up to this point. They've certainly been a cash cow at the bet window. But the fact that this is an interleague game, they're on the road. 55 cents might be cheap with Jared Weaver. I'm on the road, so I don't know what the current numbers are. But I do know, as a dog player, I would not feel safe taking the Pirates at a plus. Well, I'm just saying in general, though. Do you see that? I mean, they, they continue. They're... They, on the road, they're over 500, which we know from a baseball standpoint, if there's any major league team over 500, that's a pretty good baseball team. They're one of those teams right now. And, of course, usually the Pirates' fate happens right after the All-Star break. So maybe there's just a couple of weeks left of this. But uh, are you surprised, though, that – I'm not talking about today's game necessarily, but there's still tremendous value on the Pirates being that they're, they've been the best team to bet on this year. If you've bet every they Pirates... Been. They absolutely have been, yeah. and I'd like to say I wish that I would have seen it coming. I have not. I have not really backed the Pirates. I'm a loser with the Pirates because I have gone against that team thinking that they're going to come back to earth, come back to reality. I do like the lefty tomorrow, uh, Liriano, who's going to be going for the Pirates. I mean, he's a, they've got some good young pitching. They've, they've had some good timely hitting. Their bullpen, their closer is a stud. So, I mean, they have some talent, but I'm thinking that the odds makers will catch up to this team and I will start plucking the trend. I've been saying that, like I say, for the past few weeks, and I keep losing betting against this team, but we'll see. I mean, the last thing I want to do is change boats in midstream and start betting this team now and because they'll start losing. Right. <laughs> so well, I'm going game... to be consistent. I'm going to pick my spots, spot my picks, be consistent, and I don't think they're as good as the record. Because, again, it's a long season, but, gosh, we're almost halfway through the first half of the season, and they just keep on keeping on. No, they've been, they've been absolutely terrific. On the other side, when you look at the Angels, do you think that they're a team now that's starting to get it together? I absolutely do. I think they have a shot, because anytime you can hit the ball top to bottom, and they're pitching statistically, it's improved the past 30 days. They are much better than their record would indicate. And so you're starting to see that with the Toronto Blue Jays. They are much better than their record would indicate. The past uh, three weeks, they've started to play considerably better baseball. So like the Tigers going on a streak, I started betting them when they were 31 and 26. And it's just been one of those teams I've had a great read. Whenever I bet the Tigers, they win. And when they lose, I don't have any action on them, okay? It's the opposite of what I've been doing with the Pirates. Other teams like uh, Toronto Blue Jays knowing when to get on, they won seven, eight, nine games in a row. And then you look at the Angels, they're more than capable of rattling off five, eight consecutive wins. So, again, respect your money. Get the best number you can possibly get. But I see this team, the Angels, better than their record at this point. Where are they in the standings right now, the Angels? Down near the bottom. So what is it? What's the league west. Yeah. Okay, and the same with the Dodgers, right? They're, they're in Anaheim. <laughs> what is it that um, Angels are in the, right in the middle right now? They're they're thirty three and forty, and they're ahead of Seattle and uh, and Houston, and they, and they have won uh, they won three out of four against the Mariners and and won two out of three against the Yankees their last two series. And how many games are they behind first? Uh, nine games out. And how about the Dodgers? How far back? Dodgers not so good. They're in last place, but they're only eight and a half games out of first place. Okay, so you guys have both talked a few times about how you don't respect the the uh, managers to both of those teams. Why is it? You know, what's the measurement that decides somebody has to leave? At when what point players, do you fire somebody? When your players stop listening. When the players stop responding. What if they are listening and they're still losing? Well, then it's, Why then, is then that you the blame the general manager because the talent's not good enough. Mm. Then the man, if the if the if the players like the manager, they'll play hard for them. But if it's, but if the effort's not good enough, then the players aren't good enough. If the players start 
not paying attention to the manager, that's when the manager gets fired. So what is, is that happening, or has that happened yet in, in the Dodgers, for the Dodgers or Angels? It's close. So in other words, you're, think, seeing people, you're seeing one of the coaches say, uh, move to the left, and the, the players well, I think, like, I think no. the Dodgers are a better example of, of that to me, Scott, with uh, Matt Kemp and Don Mattingly having a little bit of a spat. Now Kemp's on the disabled list, and Puig has obviously given him a little bit of a reprieve, the young rookie from Cuba who hit another home run yesterday, although the Dodgers lost. Dodgers are a bad team, and, and a, from a bad team standpoint, I'm saying they're 11-21 and 21 on the road, right. and they're 19-20 and 20 at home. Ooh. They don't, you know. It's the old saying. They don't win at home, and they get killed on the road. They're <laughs> so, like a they're like a possum. Which is not a feature. Yeah, exactly. So I think way, I think Mattingly's more in, in danger than Sochi is. If you were the general manager, would you have fired him? I, I probably would in L.A. with the Dodgers. I probably would have. How about you, Scott? Well, again, I don't. I'm not a general manager. I'm a professional sports better, so I don't generally have these conversations. But I will address the question. I you don't have I don't conversations. Know why, because no one talks I don't know to why you, the Angels manager has a free pass. <laughs> I mean, this guy hasn't done anything since 2003. They have more talent than practically every single team in the league, and yet they just don't. They haven't even made the playoffs in the last three years. Forget about winning the division, and they've expanded the wild card round. This guy can't even get his talented team into the postseason. And I look at uh, the Dodgers, I mean, no excuses because they've underachieved, no doubt about it. And, Brett, you're probably right. Maybe they are a bad team, but they have also been hit hard with injuries. The Angels, man, they're alive and well. They're healthy. They just don't win. Well, you know, injuries are part of the game. And, and I don't, as much as we like to use those as an excuse, I can look back at uh, the 2011 World Series where the Cardinals win the World Series, and they don't have Adam Wainwright, that one of their stud horses the entire season, they win the World Series. The Dodgers are 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games. The, the team that's red hot, there's two teams right now that are red hot. One of them is the San Diego Padres who beat the Dodgers right. last night. Padres have won eight of their last 10. And the team in Toronto that went out and spent all that money, they're starting to get their act together, Scott. They're still in last place, ironically. But they're only a game under 500. And they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. And they've won eight in a row, have the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you guys both think well, the Dodgers have a good – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I want to address the San Diego Padres because my buddy and colleague, Mark Mayer from Gaming Today, called that hearing weeks ago over lunch that the Padres are much better than their record. I'm thinking, now nah, you're out of your mind. The Padres have cost me money. Now, granted, I've had a good baseball season, but we only tend to remember our losses, and the Pittsburgh Pirates have cost me money, the San Diego Padres have cost me money. But yeah, I don't know how the Padres are getting this done, but the fact is they are. The Toronto Blue Jays, we've talked before, they were projected to be first, they are currently worst in the American League East, but they're going to climb the ladder. There's a lot of baseball to be played. They have too much talent not to, but go ahead, Scott. You had a question or a yeah, comment? Yeah, the, so the idea, the Dodgers have, you guys would argue, good players on their team. Yeah. Right? They're, they're spending a lot of money there, as I understand. A lot of money. Yeah. So it's very Yankee-like. And uh, So why is it that players like that can't get together and figure it out? I don't understand that. I mean, really, how important is the – I mean, I get the coach is important for some, you know, for some of the issues on the, on the field. But overall, if you're, if you're uh, supposed to hit the ball, hit the ball. Well, I think, I think uh, in, in, in every sport. But let's take, take a look at two teams. The Oakland A's, who are in first place who I was gonna use in the American example. League West, right. who have no superstars, not one. And they never have, really. Well, like, they can't afford them. They choose to go with the old Billy Moneyball right. philosophy right. with Billy Bean. And you take the Dodgers, who've got a payroll the size of California. Right. And <laughs> which, which isn't that high right now, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, 
<laughs> very, very big payroll, I mean to say. Yeah. And uh, and they're not performing. So you have superstars who play, who can, if they're healthy, can play well. But are they meshing and playing well together as a team? Are they playing for each other? Are they playing for their paychecks? Or are they playing yeah. for their own stats versus a team that generally has fun playing together? And that's the Oakland A's. My dad had a theory, which was uh, teams in big cities uh, with great players often have a problem because there's so many other things to do. In Los Angeles, you know, there's yeah, lots of distractions. Yeah. Do you think there's any truth to that? You think there's a little more excitement in Los Angeles than playing in Kansas City? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Or> I, I do. <laughs> Probably right. But how does I, I just don't understand the fact that, and why would that be tolerated? If I paid you $100 million to play to hit a ball, I'm paying you to hit a ball. Right. Hit a ball. And you don't do it the first year. I might say to you, you know what? You didn't hit your ball very well. I'm going to either cut your deal or I'm going to drop you. Why does not happen more often? Well, guaranteed contracts. That's not going to happen. But uh, Josh Hamilton, every time he swings and misses, hits a couple of balls, just not the one being thrown at him. <laughs> You'll get to watch that all weekend, won't you, Scott? I'm not a big Josh Hamilton fan <laughs> these days. I mean, the guy's overhyped, overrated, overpaid. I mean, $125 million. He's betting something ridiculous, like 213 He's a horrific uh, outfielder. He just is way too elite. For my liking, I mean, I love guys like Mike. They bring it each and every game. Howie Kendrick is a stud. I love this guy, and the makeup. I mean, pool holes. He's on and off, but you know he's bringing the effort and he wants to do well. Josh Hamilton. It's like you know he strikes out with a pitch in the dirt. He he doesn't really seem to care. Maybe it's just his personality. I don't know. I think it's just more a little bit laid back in that regard. Scott, you're starting to break up a little bit, and I know you're driving, so. Uh, we appreciate the time you spent with us today. Go have some fun with your daughter and watch the games. And uh, any any parting shots as we let you go? No, I love you guys. Uh, the show, the Odds Couple, love being a part of the network, Vegas Video Network, live and worldwide, KSHP AM 1400 Radio. It's all good. Listeners and viewers, check out my site, PritchardsPicks.com. You guys have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday. Thanks, even, Scott. Even while driving with police chasing you, you're able to pitch the show. boy, Scotty. Good job. Whatever. I'm a team player, my friend. A team player. Have a good weekend, brother. Take care. It's uh, Scott Pritchard with us. And, of course, as Scott mentioned, you can check out his picks uh, and his website at pritchardspicks.com. He's also featured on refpicks.com and also on vegasinsider.com. And he is red hot. His his game last night did not win. Um, Mm. I think he's 21-11 and overall. But I – Carried the water for us. Did you? I got a W. That's why we brought you out of the show, exactly. Brad, is because we need to have somebody to carry Scott. Normally he doesn't weigh with That's well. for sure. We should take a break, though, shouldn't yep. we? Yeah, sure. Let's take a break. We'll, we'll come back. More of the odds couple right here on KSHP and Vegas Video Network after this. Have you ever thought you should be on the radio? Or have you considered doing an online video show or podcast? If so, now is your only chance to do both at the same time. KSHP and the Vegas Video Network have teamed up to provide the only multi-camera broadcast quality video and live radio simulcast in Las Vegas. And instead of having your show played at some ungodly hour, the KSHP Vegas Video Network partnership is producing shows that play from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. Imagine having your own radio show broadcasting to the entire Las Vegas Valley and combine that with an online presence that is viewed in all 50 states and 150 countries, both live and on demand. This is a first and an outstanding opportunity to give voice to your business, your ideas, and your talent. If you'd like your own show on KSHP and the Vegas Video Network, contact us today at 221-1200. That's 221-1200. 
All righty, we are back. Uh, odds couple here on AM 1400 KSHP. Brett Grant with you, along with Scott Whitney. Hello, everybody. In. You can uh, watch the show as we stream it live on VegasVideoNetwork.com. Also, uh, right here on the airwaves of KSHP AM 1400. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Scott, we normally talk about all kinds of fun things, but uh, we brought you in. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, sure. I want to say uh, there's a massive sale going on right now at KSHP. Yeah. Amazing deals. Uh, I've told you before, most fascinating program on radio is not what's happening right now. It's more of a train wreck, really. Uh, but prior to that, this radio shopping show thing is pretty cool. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, Brett, about just the idea of uh, sports betting. You know, I've been hanging out with Scott for, geez, what, a couple, three years now. And I've learned a bit about it, but it's still pretty intimidating to me. Right. And I know that you, you, uh, you play every day or so, right? Uh, how long have you been betting? Probably since uh, I was, well, I have grew up at, well. Legally, maybe I should ask. <laughs> well, legally. Well, since I moved to Las Vegas. Right, okay. <laughs> we used to bet on wiffle ball games and basketball games when we were kids. So, I mean, yeah, we, I have four brothers. We, we gambled on all kinds of stuff. So you're a better. You're we had into fun it. with it. I like the action. It's fun. At what point did you decide that you knew enough? And what do you need to know before you actually start spending money on these games? Well, I, I was it's funny. I was having a conversation yesterday with a, with a friend of mine about basically the same thing. We're at uh, my son's, our son's baseball game on the same team, right. and we we're talking about the NBA finals. And he's like, well, "How do you do this? And how do you do that?" And we had the same, basically the same conversation. Because it's learned, a mystery. Well, I've learned a lot from Scott Fletcher yeah. just listening in the, in the couple of months that we've been here doing the show right. about how he looks at. It. And I have many friends in Las Vegas that are either sports book directors, guys who have uh, worked the counters at the sports books, guys who have actually created the lines and, and gone into how they actually create a line, what goes into that. Um, and then from the betting side of it, when you talk to somebody like Scott, there's right. all, you're seeing all the perspectives uh, that go into creating the line, moving the line, and then Scott's take taking advantage of a yeah. line or a soft line. Uh, in spots, you learn a lot in that regard. So, what has he what has he told you that has changed the way you approach sports betting? Which is a kind of skipping ahead. It's more it's right. more of an advanced discussion. But I'm curious as to well, I think I think what you did what you're what doing I differently to, now. What I probably used to do was it was more of a gut better saying, look, I like this team because of this reason, and I would go team versus team, where Scott doesn't care about the team right. versus team. He cares about the number. He's basically saying the number's right. Whatever the lines maker tell me the number is, right. that's where it should be. Now I'm going to see if I can take advantage of that number and get a number that nobody else can get by shopping. Right. Is what Scott looks at. Where I look at it, let's just use football because most people bet football. Right. It's the 49ers versus the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Why do I like the Ravens? Why do you like the 49ers in the game? And then dissecting the teams based on all the information you know about the team. Where Scott Pritchard will say... Here's what the line is. If I can get this number, this side makes more sense than that side does. Right. That's, why we, that's why we actually created the uh, segment Spin to Win. Right. Is we wanted to help demonstrate the fact that you shouldn't care. I mean, if you're in Chicago and your wife looks like Budkiss, we get it. But you shouldn't be betting on the Bears just because you're in Chicago. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you should that actually. Budkiss yeah, or Budkiss? I, I, like I, I felt like I was pretty smart with actually knowing yeah, the guy's good. name. That's and pretty good. Please, please Tough help, her, name, though. help her brother out, okay, Tough for the name. love of God. Okay, so, so we'll get back to you. You're getting into it. Um, well, what are the first bets that – so let's say I want to start betting. Right. What are the first bets – and we'll use football because this is coming up. Right. Now, what are the first bets that are probably the easiest to understand? Well, the point spread 
is probably the easiest because the juice, the vig, the rub, as Scott likes to say, right. is the same. It's minus 110 no matter what you want to do. It's just you're taking, let's say it's a, let's say it's a game, the Packers are playing the Patriots. When you say 110, you mean 110%. Minus, one, of, minus 110. Right. So meaning if I want to win $100, right. I have to bet $110 to win 100 So if you bid $1,000. It would be 1100 to win 1000 um, so let's just take the average Joe on the street. It might be fifty-five dollars to win fifty. It might be thirty-three dollars to win thirty. Right. Twenty-two to win ten, or to, to, to win twenty. Okay. It just depends on how big somebody's bankroll is, and a right. lot of the average betters are in that fifty-dollar range, right. or even even less. And where yeah. Scott is way higher than that. Right. Um, but let's say okay, so the game is three. So if you like the Packers, they're the favorite minus three points. Right. Packers so minus win. Three. Right. Packers have to win by. More than three points. Right. And if you take the Patriots, the Patriots have to lose or win. Win, no worries. Easy win. But if they're going to lose the game by two or less. If they right. lose by three, it's a push. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go through. But the number, if you take one side, you lay 110 to win 100. I lay 110 to win 100 on the other side. It's just the, the spread. Who wins Is the it game always, that okay, no, It's I the thought, easiest thing to understand. I thought there was one where I could I – could, Bet a hundred to win a hundred and ten. If it's the well, the that's a money line. Oh, the money line. So bet, and you can bet money lines in football, but most people bet the point spread. And the money line, which is different than the, which is just like this, baseball. Okay. So when you take a baseball game minus one twenty on one side plus one ten ten cent line, usually a ten usually a ten cent difference in baseball. So if you took the uh, a game, let's say whoever uh, the Angels are playing the minus one ten one twenty. And then the Pirates would be plus 110 on the other side. So you're laying 120 to win 100 right. or betting 100 to win 110 on the other you side. You see this glossing yeah, look on my bit, face? A little bit. You know what that means? You have no, you're not interested? No. Don't no, care? I'm trying to Just figure it out. don't care. So is that what you normally play? I mean, for football, let's go back to football game. Football, the, typically, I'll play – I don't necessarily do a lot of money lines unless I like an underdog it, to – for me, if I like an underdog getting points, I'll also put a little money on the money lines. I'm getting plus money, which Scott talks a lot right. about. Plus, I don't like laying big money lines on favorites right. myself. It's just not my way of doing you know. But there is great value in that where people say, you know what? The Go back to the 1969 Super Bowl where Joe Willie Namath, famous. Right. Well, I guarantee I you're going to win it. Well, the Colts were a 17-point favorite. Right. So if you wanted to play the Colts in that game and say, I want the money line, you'd be laying – a whole lot of money to win a little bit of money right. and completely take that spread out. You might be laying a thousand, you know, a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars to win a hundred dollars. Right. It might have been fifteen to one, but on the other side, you say, oh, you know what? I like Joe Namath. Yeah. He might be right. Yeah. I'm going to take the Jets, put a hundred dollar bill on the Jets to win the game and come back and maybe get two thousand dollars right. out of that particular bet. Whatever. That, I'm just making this up. But how about totals? Do you do totals in football? I do. Totals are fun. Uh, and there's and what Scott will tell you is as the education goes through, yeah, the bet's basically the same. Let's say the total's 45 points. You're betting over or under 45 points. There are very key numbers in football, which just he, like there which are he pushes baseball. on a lot. Three, seven, three, four, six, and seven from a from a side standpoint are are critical numbers because the majority twenty nearly 20 percent of NFL football games land on three. Oh. So it's a big, important number. Land with a difference in score of three, is right. what you're saying, right? Yeah. 20 okay. to 7, there's a lot of ways to get three-point right. wins. And that's you know. why those numbers are important, because right. the math leads itself to those kinds exactly. of numbers, basically, exactly. right? And in football, say, uh, with the totals, same thing. 37, 38, 42, 45, 48, big key numbers when it comes to totals. Do you think most people know that? No. 
And, and so that's a huge advantage. Yeah. The fact that you know that, and you've known that for a while, clearly, right. that's a huge advantage to you over me. Over somebody who steps to the window and says, I want to go over 48 and a half. And you say, well, that's a bad bet. You want to go under 48 and a half, but you can go over 47 and a half because 48 is a key number. 45 is right. a key number. Um, so it is about that. It's like, you know, and the sports books don't want to move those numbers very much because they know they, they don't open, want to get on those numbers. They open themselves up to potential sharp betters like Scott saying, right. <laughs> you just put up a bad number. Right. I'm going to hammer it. Right. And how about prop bets? Do you ever do that? It's for the Super Bowl, I will, just because it's fun. Do they offer prop bets in other games? Sometimes. Monday night footballs, uh, they do key games in the NFL, Sunday night football. But Monday nights, there's always some prop bets on Monday night football. So the, the, you're supposed to win 52.14% of the time to be uh, to break even. Right. I did learn that <laughs> from, Good boy. from the odds couple and let's bet. But if you play two. all underdogs, you don't have to win 52% of the time because your underdogs are plus bets. You can be uh, not as good and maybe win 44 45% and still make money. Did you know that, Jacob? Because Jacob's not as head. Jacob's a smart dude. Jeez. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah, you know you what? That sucks because I've been putting my head in that forty, that fifty-two point one four percent. I'm like, that's it. You got to do that. And you know what? I completely get what you're but saying. But if that's, but if that's about favor, if, if, you know, take. But you wouldn't, again. you wouldn't bet all the unders, anyways. I mean, that would never happen. Oh, the underdogs. Uh, no, underdogs. I mean, but there are guys who are who are big underdog players, like Scott. That's Scott is. Yeah. And I and I am too. I like to look at underdogs. But why would you? Times. Why would you lean towards that? What's the thinking behind that? Go well, I mean, like we we're talking about yesterday, the Pirates yesterday against the Reds. I didn't get this game out on the air, but I played the Pirates yesterday. It was an early start. That's why I didn't give it out on the air. I played the Pirates yesterday because they're very good, and they're they're to me still undervalued. And I got plus one eighty on a baseball team that's thirteen games over five hundred against a, a divisional rival in a very important game, and the Pirates won the game at plus one eighty as opposed to Lane. I mean, it was plus 170, as opposed to lane 180 with Cincinnati, where there's no value in the Reds. Mm -hmm. And basically what I thought was a toss-up situation, a, a, you know, a game that could go either way. If the game's going to go either way, and I got a chance to take advantage of that and get plus 170, even if I lose, it's probably better than laying 180 Were you surprised that Were you surprised that line was even available to you? I was. I was surprised it was that. That's the other reason. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, a rookie starter for Pittsburgh, but the Pirates offensively are much better than they're getting credit for. Well, why, isn't the, why aren't the, the sports books figuring that out? I mean, why is it that, you know, civilians know this? Well, it feels, it feels very much like you're at, a, you're at a football game with your buddies, and you're like, the coach is an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you're coaching with these guys. Right. So, I mean, but why is it that you felt that, you know, these guys aren't even close to what's going on with Pittsburgh? And, well, and Scott said the same thing. He's, these guys if aren't. You look, if you look at uh, the, that particular individual game, and I, I can pull up the box score real quick, and I'll just give you an idea of, of that game. Lineup-wise, I think they're very comparable. You always have to look at a lineup. And, and Scott brings this up quite a bit. You never make a bet unless you know who's going to be playing in a right, game. So right. you want to look at injuries. You want to look at, in baseball, about four or five hours before a game starts, the managers turn in their lineup mm. so people know who's playing. Oh, okay. So if you go onto the websites, you can see, like right now, for example, there's a 11-20 game between the Cubs and the Astros, and I can look at the lineup right now and say, okay, are the key players playing in the game? Right. Who's got a day off today? Right. And you'll know those things going into it. With baseball, Pritchard has talked about betting the first five innings, and that makes complete sense to me because you know who's going to be pitching. You right. have a general idea what can happen in the first five innings. And, and I, can, I completely understand why I wouldn't want to bet the whole game because you don't know what's going to happen. When you play baseball, do you only just bet the first five or do you play the whole team? I usually, the play, the whole, I usually play the whole game um, because I've done some of that early in the year and lost oh, the, the, the first, first five. five, but win the game. Oh, really? <laughs> I just played the game. <laughs> so you I broke even or whatever. I would have won. Or it's like, you, you know, 
couple of spots where I've taken big underdogs for five innings because I like the starting pitcher. Right. And they'll have the lead through four and a half innings, and then the bottom of fifth, they'll lose, right. they'll lose that little bet going in. I think there's some bullpens you can take advantage of, mm. and that's one of the reasons why you might want to play a whole game okay. if right. you like a side. Right. Um, going in to get into a team's bullpen, and you know that, hey, I'm going to get into their bullpen. It's not very good. And I got a chance to do that. Do you? Uh, so when is football starts getting serious, when? Well, training camp will start about a month from now, and preseason football will be in August, and the season gets underway the Thursday after Labor Day is when the NFL season starts. The college season will get underway the weekend before last weekend in, in August. Usually is when the college season gets underway. Do you bet on the preseason games? Only a really no. I'm gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> Only a degenerate gambler bets on preseason football. Because, again. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, no. I, I usually don't. Because you just don't know who's going to right. play. And yeah. you don't know how long. Let's say, okay, let's say you're playing the. Oh, boy, the Patriots are playing whoever. They stink. Well, Tom Brady might play for five, five minutes. minutes. He might play five plays. Yeah, right. And you're going, now who's playing? So, you in know. the beginning, if I'm a, if I'm a handicapper. And I'm trying to analyze the NFL. So they're going to start, they're getting together in the next month or so, and they're going to start running around and, you know, doing their stuff. Is there any value of any of that information? I mean, seriously. At what point do you start getting value from who's going to be on the team and how they're performing? And do they look at how they did in the preseason and go, oh, wow, you know, Jim used to be a lot better than he used to be. I think I'm going to have to use that when I'm, you know, working on right. my numbers. Does that, when does that, how does that work? I think if you go through and you're really a student of, of the sport and there's a lot of research that can go into, into all this with regards to how a team might utilize a certain player. So maybe there's a rookie who didn't play a whole lot and suddenly he's going to be, because of free agents or injury, he's going to be thrust into, let's say, now he's a starting receiver. Right. When the year before he didn't play very much. Now you're saying, okay, mm. from a role standpoint, his role's increased. How's he? Then you will pay attention to him in the preseason to see how he's utilized. And then that might make a decision going, boy, that's, not, that's quite a downgrade or that's a great upgrade. And you're saying, well, that team, maybe you play it one way or another based on that information. When you talk to the people who you said, I heard you said that you talked to people who actually set lines. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Are they in uh, Nevada? Oh, sure. Because, you know, uh, Scott and I had this talk, and he basically said it doesn't actually had this off the air, that they don't set lines here. They set the lines off in the islands, and basically all the different guys here, William Hill, Cantor, Stations, they just copy them. Some guys do. Yeah, he's, he's right in a lot of respects because there's a lot of guys do, who don't, because of the corporate nature of some of the, of the sports books now, uh, there's not a whole lot of risk being out. Right. Where I know Jay Cordegay is a, a good friend of mine, and they might use that information in the islands to see where a game might be, but they're still going to set their own line, and they're going to move that line based on their own action. Right. Ba not that I on, understand. Not based on the other guy, because they got to limit their – because here's the thing. If, they, if they're way off in a game, they're going to get hammered. And guess right. what Jay has to do? He has to go up to the bosses and say, well, you know, God, so, <laughs> I, I got Monday morning meetings to explain, right. which he doesn't want to go into. Does Jay help set the line that eventually is what's over at LVH? Yeah. So he is. So he. So he and, his, get something he and his staff of guys are, are putting together their, their they own are. numbers. Okay. And there's the guys, obviously, uh, that, that like uh, Don Best Sports, for example, right. a guy like Kenny White, who is one of the guys who sets the lines. Well, they they, they provide a service to the casinos where they set the number and they send out suggested lines, opening lines to the sports books. But why would they use and that the if I'm? Then decide I'm going to either use that number or use my own number, and they and all this information gets gets funneled together down to a number that that particular book says, okay, this guy's got two and a half, this guy's got three and a half, this guy likes, eh, three looks like a, a number here. They just got baseball, you know. Okay, but why so, would I do that if I've got Cantor Gaming as my sports book in my place? 
because they're not as smart as they used to be. Cantor gaming. Well, I'm not saying Cantor gaming. I, 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 I saying mean, the, the William Hill Cantor gaming, the guys who are. I think are, a lot of it is that they, 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 there's not the uh, variety of lines that there used to be. A lot, a lot of these books don't go out on a limb like they used to, where you could, in the old days, and I'm sure Scott could tell you, you could go over to the Sands, over to the Desert Inn, over to Caesar's Palace, over to Bally's, and get completely different numbers right. on a lot of games. Right. Just because, but, te- but technology today is so much better. Everybody's lines are right here on a computer. Right. As opposed to going, and they're almost hey, all Joe, this, run they're, over there. What's the number over there? What's the number over and there? And that's his, that's his point about getting the best of it. Right. When, I, when we come in here for this show, it's you know 10 o'clock in the morning, and we check covers.com or whoever, and pretty much everybody's line is the same. Very close. So you're not going to get a lot of uh, advantage going from one place to another, I would assume. Not really. But if you look at, uh, let's just look at Vegas Insider today, which they also have an updated line. So there's a, a game we were talking about an early game because it's going to start here in a minute just to see if there's any difference you got the you got the cubs uh playing i think against the uh the astros today right so it's an interleague game and where's the line did it already start maybe oh, there it is okay line open 173 and now it's 170 180 two dollars 170 170 170 that's so a pretty can, big swing you there. can get two dollars uh, you can get plus 175 at the Ast- with the Astros at William Hill, plus right. 175. But then right on the other side, uh, with the Cubs, at, uh, at, the, at the win, for example, it's only plus 155. So there, look at Scott. Here, you want, you wow. Well, turn this well, on well, yeah, no, it's okay. okay. It's okay to look. Um, and there you go. So you're looking at a big difference. Where to go? There it is. Right so, all right. so you got a 20-cent difference between wow. two bucks on that one game. So there's some value one way or the other. So if you like the Cubs, why would you play it at William Hill when you could play it for 30 cents cheaper right. at, the, at, the, at the win? Is or there? Yeah, at the win. Or the other side, if you like the Astros, why would I play it at the win at plus 155 when I can get $1.75 right. at William Hill? Well, see, so that surprised me because what we were looking at, the screens I was looking at, didn't show such a wide disparage like that. I mean, I, they were just all basically the same thing over and over again. So I didn't notice that. So I, I can see that they actually are kind of being – Okay. The, but here's all the right. issue. The average right. Joe has their Station Casino account or right. they have their William Hill account. They don't have accounts at six different places. Do you have, do you have accounts at different through, places? I have a couple. Yeah. Not, not like Scott does where right. Scott could bet anywhere in the world if he wanted to. <laughs> right. I'm not that good. Uh, but I have a couple, and I just look, and I don't do quite as much shopping because to me it's about convenience as much as it is anything else. So and that's but, what most people are. But if okay, yeah, but don't you hate losing? <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> see, see, that would make my head explode. That's the thing for me is that we got wait a minute. Yeah, we're, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well that makes my head explode. Got 15 seconds. Oh, okay, well Scott's head just exploded. It would explode if I if I'm if I'm. I, I was a friend of mine bet a game twenty dollars, and I was like this the whole game. It wasn't even my twenty dollars. Right. My God. Come what on. are we going to do? Gonna Come on! And you're saying, that's two cocktails. I can't do it, that's man. That's two cocktails. <laughs> that's exactly right. right. That was margarita. All right. Exactly. All right, Scott. we got to run. We will do this again on uh, Monday with the Odds Couple right here on AM 1400 KSHP and also streaming live on Vegas Video Network. Have a great weekend, everybody.